always interesting to uh, see the changes that different generations experience. Seems like we have a few different generations here. Some of you are from an earlier generation, and some of you from a younger generation. You know, it's the, the baby boomers. We always talk about the baby boomers, and the baby boomers were those that first experienced uh, life in suburbia, and then they first experienced television. And then we have the millennials, a little millennial section over here. And the millennials, they are the first ones to experience life online, and they experience smartphones. Now we talk about the microwave generation even. And the microwave generation, everything is instant for them. You know, they, they've never experienced the, the need to wait for something. They, they get everything right now. My, my generation, my son is a microwave. My generation is the baby busters, and we were the ones who were raised by Sesame Street. You know, we, we knew Grover and Oscar and the rest of them. We were also the very first generation to experience Flintstone vitamins. Came out the year after I was born. Flintstone vitamins, and if you remember, we are 10 million strong and growing. I am so glad you knew that part. I remember starting out my mornings with Flintstone vitamins. I remember getting up and running in and saying, Mama, it's time for my vitamin, you know. And she's like, okay. She'd get the bottle out. and goes, She had to hide it from me because I would have eaten them all. And uh, she'd say, which one do you want? I want a purple Fred. I always wanted a purple Fred because to me, you know, Fred was the biggest. You know, I definitely didn't want a Barney because Fred's so much bigger. But if you look, they, they pretty much make all of the all of the vitamins the same size, but Purple Fred was my first choice always. I wanted those Purple Freds. Flintstone Vitamins, for my generation, continues to be one of the most recognizable tastes. We all know exactly when, we, when we're tasting a Flintstone Vitamin. A few years ago, a friend of mine was having trouble adjusting to her prenatal vitamins, and so a group of us started doing the math, and we figured out exactly how many Flintstone Vitamins she would have to take every day, uh, just to equal what she was getting from her prenatal vitamin. She was very, very glad to, to discover that. As a kid, I wouldn't have missed my Flintstone vitamin. And as an adult, I have a, an ever-growing collection of pills that have been prescribed to me, and I can't tell you how many nights I go to bed, I lay there for two or three minutes, and then suddenly I think, forgot to take my pill. Oh, you've done it too? Good to know. And I lay there and I think, how bad do I need that tonight? Can I just take it in the morning? Will that be fine? Or, and I usually get up and I, I go take my pill. And maybe if they came in purple Freds, you know, think about that. If they were purple Freds, I might remember. I know they're important. I know I need them for my health. But I can set an alarm on my iPad, and I can remind myself, and I can keep them all ready in my handy little pill caddy, and I can still forget. And I have to admit, I'm like that in other areas of life as well. And sometimes I'm like that with prayer. There's a wonderful book that's been written on prayer. It's simply titled Prayer by Tim Keller. Keller is an amazing writer, an amazing speaker. And he tells about his wife's desire for them to spend time together every night. His wife wanted them to spend time 
every night together in prayer. And Keller kept forgetting. And he, he kept putting it off, and, and he would forget about it. And, and then finally his wife said to him, imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine, a pill, every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? Would you not get around to it some nights? No, it would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget. You would never miss. She said, well, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all that we're facing. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't let it just slip our minds. You, know, you ask most people if prayer is important, and they'll say, yes, prayer is, is very important. You ask most people if, you pray, if they pray, and they'll say, well, I try. <laughs> I try to pray. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I get busy and I don't pray. Sometimes I'm just so stressed, I don't even think about praying. Something that we know is vital, something that we know our lives depend on, and yet it's so easy to forget. When I needed my Flintstone vitamins, I went to my mom. When I need to renew my prescriptions, I have to go see my doctor. Where do we go when we want to learn to pray? Like those first disciples, we go to Jesus and we say, Lord, teach us how to pray. We're going to look at Luke chapter 11 today. Just a few verses. Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. We have those Bibles in the pews in front of you, those blue books or Bibles, and we'd encourage you to follow along. It's on page 869 in those Bibles if you want to follow along. The Bible has four, four accounts of the life of Jesus, four different witnesses, four different Gospels, and each one of them tells a different focus to the story and has a different focus. Luke, Luke's desire was to write an orderly account, to set things down in, in proper order, and so Luke begins in verse 1 of Luke chapter 11, and he says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And the very first thing you notice is if they want to learn how to pray, they go to the one guy who's praying. They go to the one guy who's who's modeling that. He, he's praying. and By his example, they saw that this was important in his life. So the next step, the natural next step, was to ask him, you teach us how to pray. I like statistics. I always like to say, and I like to warn people when I, when I use statistics in a sermon, I always like to say, these are not my statistics. These are the statistics. <laughs> okay, maybe I don't. These are not my statistics. These are the statistics of a man who knows what he's talking about. So, maybe I'll never say that again. Here's some interesting statistics. Um, more than half of all American adults say that prayer is important and that prayer is a daily activity for them. 55% of all American adults pray daily. And it's not just people who attend church. 21% of people who have no church affiliation at all 21% still pray every day. 82% they say they pray for their health and they pray for their children. You better be praying for your children. 73% say that they believe that God has answered prayer uh, for them to find a job. That God has actually answered a prayer to find a job. 
51% do not believe that God answers prayers for certain sports teams to win their games. Those are probably Cubs fans. I don't know for sure. They might be Cubs fans. We're interested in prayer. We want to pray. We are praying, but, but very often we don't know how or, or we don't know what words to use. We don't feel confident in our prayers. And so like the disciples, we look to Jesus and we say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. So for the next few weeks, what we're going to be doing here is we're going to be looking through the Bible. We're going to lay a foundation from the Bible, a foundation of prayer. We're going to interweave it with some stories of answered prayer and, and, and experiences of people who are doing prayer. We're going to see this amazing gift that God has given to us to communicate with Him. We look at Jesus and we look at His prayer life just like the disciples did. And just like them, we see that Jesus gives us a prayer to pray. He, he teaches us a prayer. The next few verses probably look familiar to you. They, they look familiar to a point. It is the Lord's Prayer. Now, we're more familiar with the Lord's Prayer out of Matthew's Gospel. Uh, this, is out of, this is Luke's account. So Luke's writing is a little different. He has some different emphases, and so it sounds a little different. But Jesus says, when you pray, say this. And then he gives them a prayer, something for them to repeat. But it's more than just words to repeat. He gives them a way to understand prayer, a way to approach God. He says in verse 2, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive anyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. I love this prayer. One of the first things you notice about this prayer is that it's, it's personal. It's not addressed to some far-off, distant God who is unfeeling about your problems or unaware of your sufferings. It is addressed to a Father. It is a term that is at once both intimate and also respectful. And we find at the heart of Jesus' mission uh, this desire to draw us to God, to, for us to know God as our Father, to reconcile the differences that we have with our Father, to bridge that gap between man and God on the cross. And that's also found in this prayer. You also notice that the prayer expresses our daily dependence upon God. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. It's, you notice it's not give us our daily T-bone. Okay. You notice it's not give us our daily pizza. It's not give us our daily seven-course meal and pie and ice cream afterwards. It's, it's not any of those things. It's give us this day our, our daily bread. It focuses on the most basic, the simplest thing that we need, the simple need of bread. And then, and then it's simply all that we need today, just today. In this moment, right here and now, God, here is my need at its most basic. And God promises to hear that prayer, and He promises to meet you there. What I absolutely love about this prayer is that it's honest. He says in verse 4, Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. This prayer acknowledges that I have screwed up. It also acknowledges that there are others who have hurt me, and it asks God to recognize our weaknesses. He says, lead us not into temptation. And within that phrase, lead us not into temptation, is the admission that we are weak, 
that there are things that could tempt us away from Him. It is the admission, Lord, I am flawed. I am broken. And I want you to know me so well that you will keep me away from those things that could break me more, those things that could hurt me, those things that could even draw me away from you. I want you to hold me tightly in those, in those moments. And the beautiful thing about what Jesus does for them next and what He does for us also is that He gives us a picture of a God who listens. He gives us this picture of a God who listens. Now, there's something I want to say, and, and this might sound a little odd, but I want you to understand this. I think it's very important. Prayer is not incantations. Prayer is not incantations. And some of you are like, what? Prayer is not a spell. It is not an incantation. Those of you who are Harry Potter fans, you remember, you know, when it comes to incantations, you have to get the words just right and you have to wave the wand with the right flourish and you'll get whatever it is that you're, you're requesting with that incantation. That's not prayer. And you think, well, of course that's not prayer. That's silly. But how many times have you been on, say, Facebook and you see a pretty picture like this pop up? And the pretty picture says, if you like and share this, God will bless you. Maybe you even liked it. Maybe you even shared it. But that's not prayer. More to the point, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. That's not prayer. And Jesus wanted the disciples to know that's not how this works. And so He follows up this prayer with two stories. He tells them two stories. Jesus loved to teach in parables. And so He gives them two short stories that get to the heart of the issue. And these parables are parables that we can see ourselves in. We can see our points of weaknesses in them. We can also see our points of strength. He tells them what God is like by making... He tells us what God is like by making us look at ourselves. You know how to take care of your friends. You know how to be a good friend. You know how to provide for your friends. God knows how to provide for you. You know how to take care of your kids. God knows how to take care of you as well. He says in Luke 11, verse 5, He said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot give you, get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Listen to me. Your prayers don't bother God. Your prayers don't annoy God. Sometimes maybe you annoy your friends, and sometimes maybe your friends annoy you, but you, your prayers do not annoy God. God is not sitting up there in heaven looking at His phone and going, oh great, it's her again. How do I get out of this? You know, I've got to get out of this call. God doesn't do that. That's not the way that he, he loves us. God's not there waiting for you to screw up. God's not waiting for you to screw up your prayers so He can give you something you didn't ask for. You know, you, you look at that and it, it, it says in verses 11 through 13, it says, what father among you, if, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God's not up there waiting for you to screw up your prayers. You didn't say the words right. You didn't say what kind of bread, so you're getting pumpernickel. <laughs> That'll teach you. He doesn't do that. God's not waiting for us to screw up our prayers. Instead, there's this assurance in verses 9 and 10. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. It is the assurance of a father who listens, a father who is ready to hear you, a father who is ready to respond to you. I don't get my Flintstone vitamins anymore. I don't get to take those. In fact, very few of the pills that I take are chewable. I guess they are chewable. It's just afterwards you'd realize you probably shouldn't have done that, you know? And so instead, I have medication that I have to take. I have medication I have to take every morning. I have medication I have to take every, every evening. I have to take my pills. I have to get them renewed every few months. And so every morning and every evening, I'm, I'm taking these pills. And, and I've developed a habit lately where I, I pray with my pills. You know, my, my alarm goes off on my iPad and says, it's pill time. So I, I grab my pills. I, take, I have my pills that I take in the morning. And I pick those up. And I just pray, these pills are for my blood pressure. And I pray, Lord, I take these because I don't handle stress well. And I thank you for these pills, but I thank you even more that I can trust you with anything that comes my way today. There are going to be stresses that come my way today that I have no idea they're coming. And so, Father, just as you provided this, I thank you that you provided your presence. Thank you you provided your spirit. I thank you that I can trust you with anything that, that comes my way. Every evening before I go to bed, I have to take this other pill. This one's for my... This one's for my cholesterol. And yes, I have been to moonshine a lot lately. It wasn't my fault. I'm going back in a couple of weeks. But I take that pill at night and I pray and I say, Lord, I, I have to take this because there are things I put in my body that are not good for me. Like over at the park yesterday, they had fried cheeseburgers. I didn't have one, but I heard about them. They deep-fried cheeseburgers, bun and all. Sometimes I put things in my body that I don't need and that I shouldn't put there, and sometimes I put things in my heart that I shouldn't put there too. And I remind myself, Lord, just as you provided this, you've also provided your, your son and, and his blood because sometimes I leave bitterness in my heart and I shouldn't have that inside me. Sometimes there's hatred. Sometimes there's gossip. Sometimes there's unforgiveness, and it's not good for me, and that has to come out. And so, Father, just as you provided this for me, I, I thank you for what you've provided through your Son. I thank you that I can know forgiveness, and I can know peace through you. Now, that's not my, that's not my whole prayer every day, but that's part of it. And I've learned that these little reminders every day really help my prayer time. The disciples went to Jesus when they wanted to learn how to pray. Our desire for prayer, our desire for God's presence in our lives, it's not wrapped up in the words. It's not wrapped up in the place. It's not even wrapped up 
in the pills or the little reminders that we have. Our desire for prayer is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. It's wrapped up in Jesus Himself. At the very heart of prayer, we find Jesus. We find Jesus praying for us. The Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, that He, that he prays for us. He intercedes for us. He stands between us and God and provides a way for us to come to Him. That was culminated on the cross. We're going to come to this table in just a moment. We're going to take a little piece of bread that reminds us of His body broken. We're going to take a cup that reminds us of His blood that's shared. And we're going to take it together to remind ourselves of what was given for us. Not as individuals, but but for all of us. What we've all received from Him. And we come to the table to remind ourselves that our, our sin, our failings, our lack, what we don't have, that can't separate us from God. And more than that, we have a God who wants us to come to Him. He wants us to come so badly that He gave His Son. We come because we need Him. We need Him to unite us. We need Him to unite us to God. We need Him to make us one. Alana's going to share a song with us as we prepare for communion.